For thirty millennia, three thousand years, on Rathalin alone, the Kinsereth had fought the long retreat from world to world down the chain of creation, waiting for their god to manifest himself through them in the final battle. Chosen they were and proud, but bitter too, over long delay and angry that, the task being set, their god had apparently left them to accomplish it alone. And finally, for what? A lie? The power that flowed around Jamie now, she suddenly realized, was different only in degree, not kind, from that which she had sensed in the Puzzle Box district, and again in the streets among the so-called dead gods of Titastagon. Was there only one god, as all kinsards believed, or many? If the latter, then her people had been truly deceived for longer than one could bear to think. Had the kinsereth been used? Very well. It had been created for use, but not to serve a lie. Honor would not endure it. Nor would Jamie. The mere suspicion of betrayal, now when she most needed all the reassurance that her kinsereth heritage could give, acted on her like the deadliest of insults. Fist raised, wrist crossed, she silently challenged the temple before her. Let it be war, then, until the truth was known. It was a mad gesture, as mad as to spurn the one place in this haunted city where she could be sure of help. But she was beyond reason now. Let it be war, or at least a clean end far from the seething abscess of divinity. As she turned away, darkness fell again and did not lift. The storm had broken at last. start because I'm just dying to talk to you about this book and I'm hoping that when I talk to you about it you'll remember something about it. <laughs> oh 100%. Uh, I guess we'll do a quick introduction then. Welcome to the Girls Talk Comic Book Club episode. If you can't tell, Jess, our lieutenant of literature, is pretty freaking hyped about this. I'm Erin, your master of mediocrity, and we're going to make this the quickest introduction just so Jess can get stuff off her chest. Yeah. Take it away, my friend. I'm Jessica, the Lieutenant of Literature, and I'm here to drag you through another cringy soul-bearing episode of Book Club! Woo-woo! I know this is a little bit... Woo! <sighs> this is kind of hard to get off the ground, guys, because this one is a very long one. It's a duology, but I first read the- today's book in maybe 2013, 2014. I had a friend, she was like an old-school lit geek like she read one to two books a day and you know she's just amazing amazing yeah and she's been that way since she was in junior high and she was like in her early 40s whenever I was working with her so she was a good couple decades older than me and just like just just completely annihilated me with just huge amounts of book recommendations so I did so much reading like in this three or four year time. And this was one of them that she was like, I think you'll like it. She didn't give me the Godstock Chron- She gave me the second book, Dark of the Moon, from PC Hodgel's The Godstalker Chronicles first, because she was like, the first one doesn't really matter for the second one. Like they have a couple of callbacks, but they explain all of the callbacks. And then I went back and I read the first one because your girl does not do out of chronological order very well and I just fell in love I just absolutely fell in love with this book this book is so it's like Alice in Wonderland meets Game of Thrones kind of like it's a very trippy dark fast-paced just really snippy ride (laughs) one of my favorite parts of this book is the author wrote the first one which is just godstock And then took, like, a 10-year break to go get her master's degree in, like, English. (laughs) And then she came back 
And then she started like re-releasing, like releasing the second, third, fourth, and it's like been on a normal book schedule ever since then. But this, so this book started in like the seventies or eighties. Yeah, nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> and then after, and then it's still being released to this day. So it's one of those like great, really niche books. Like it's not something that I've ever seen anyone else talk about or read. And she got this from like those old timey book clubs where you literally got books in the mail. Like you're like, I like sci-fi. And they sent you a sci-fi book every month, which I wish still existed because yeah, it started as Godstock and Dark of the Moon. And I'm just going to read the back of it a little bit because like this is such a trippy book. It's hard to kind of put into words. Jamie is a kinser, one of the people chosen by the three-faced god to battle the dynamic, uh, demonic, demonic being primal darkling, which I always fuck it up. I call it primal or primal darkling because I, it's P-E-R-I-M-A-L. And I'm real bad at fantasy names. Like those four letters are this character and I don't even try to pronounce it in my brain. So bear with me. But they, <laughs> this baddie has broken the chain of creation, which is like, this amazing premise where all of these different dimensions are like stacked like pringles in a tube and they overlap a little bit so like this race of peoples or this like three-faced race of peoples there's three different kinds of cancer has just sort of been retreating down <laughs> like as they lose they've just gone backward and backward and backward down this chain and like, they started this fight and were, like, pulled in by their god, this three-faced god, and then, like, abandoned. And they've just been, like, retreating in this terrible, soul-sucking way with no help from their deity and just, like, just getting real bitter about it. So the first book is a low fantasy novel set in this town called Titastagon, which is literally a city of the gods. So you see Jamie, this kinser, who just sort of popped out of nowhere ten years later. She disappeared for ten years, pops out in this barren wasteland kind of runs into the city with nowhere to go like not knowing anyone doesn't know where she's been for 10 years she just knows like she's got like flashes of a memory which is it just gets trippier and trippier I'm sure you'll be able to talk a little bit about that and then freaking just creates destruction wherever she goes she's like really tuned into the destructive face there's the life creator the life preserver and then the destroyer the face of the destroyer is like kind of like a wildfire, you know, like destruction in order to renew. And she is just this force of nature on accident in this real like I have no control over what happens kind of way. Like she's she's not overpowered because she's just bumbling. And then the second book, she's like leaving the city in flames behind her because she's done what she does and just is completely wrecked havoc on this like resurrected a god like killed the god in the first place and then just completely tore down the power structures of this city and then she's just like okay peace i gotta go back to my people now and then she continues to do the same thing when she gets back to her people but yeah it's just a real it's a real ride y'all like it's a fast-paced kind of never lets you go book but I guess I'm I'm going to move on to the second part of this like Aaron first of all have you ever heard of this book and which I I think you've already told me you haven't but then like what did you think about the book okay <laughs> so this book I had not heard of it so it was interesting to pick it up but I wonder if I should have started with the second rather than the first because when you said it was more like 
Game of Thrones. I was reading it and it felt like Dr. Seuss meets Tim Burton meets Game of Thrones and was really caught up in this nonsensical, winding, unclear narrative about her experience in the city, the explanation of the city. It it just, there was this innate chaos within it. And I, I really remember the scene where she's in this public marketplace just chilling and all of a sudden these two dudes start hacking each other to death right where she's sitting um, because they have you can pay to have guild wars or religious wars and you have to wear a certain sash to show that you are free to murder other people of who are wearing the same other sash it's just it was really really bizarre and overwhelming and you know I thought it was interesting like i've always wanted to read a book where a protagonist wasn't intentionally going on an adventure (laughs) and so she was just forced by the hand of god to do all of these things the hand of god being the author and literally she's just like i want to get out of here and they're like ah but the weather sucks you can't (laughs) you can't get out and she's like okay well i guess i'll learn how to navigate the town and then she finds some allies and they're like yeah we're cool And they legitimately are cool and they have their own problems, but reality, everyone has their own problems. But then they are in an undeclared, so an illegal merchant war with another inn bar that's across the square. But that inn is run by some really kind of crappy people who like attempt to drop bricks on them. I don't know. It's just really shady stuff. And so she's like caught up in it and she's like, well, I'm a warrior and honor bound, but I'm not going to murder these people. And so she's just like stewing (laughs) there. And I'm like, this is the weirdest holding pattern narratively. And then at one point she's like, well, I guess I have to become a thief (laughs) to understand the city. And then she becomes a thief and gets caught up in all these other like royals, like she finds out there's an affair and she gets caught up with that. She finds like all these (laughs) secrets and she has this huge like she becomes a cryptid essentially like a she becomes a folktale for the town for a little while and and then when things start to escalate in the uh undeclared guild war she becomes this like really sexy hypnotic dancer which adds this other flair of mystery to her and her character and you're i'm just reading this like what is happening like, what <laughs> are we trying to get to and Hearing your summary of it, what we're trying to get to in this first book, because I didn't even read the second because I was so lost, but like, we are just trying to introduce the world in this first book, but the world, like the city, Titastagon, whatever, yeah, it was built like a maze and like a trap, and the entire narrative kind of follows that same feeling of like, just winding and twisting and overlapping and weird shortcuts in long ways to get around things because that was the city as well. And I don't know if that was done on purpose, but I thought like I just spent a lot of time reflecting on how the narrative was chaotic while her understanding of the city was also chaotic. I like that you mentioned the destruction of the gods thing because that, that was where a lot of the story kind of fell apart for me. I binged through quite a bit of it, took a break for a little while And when I came back and tried to knock out the last 200 pages, I had no idea what was going on anymore. (laughs) 
which was just there was just so much happening and there's so many characters and so many names it was hard for me to track who was what but i i did remember thinking that she was inherently like a good person and honor bound so she always told the truth and she tried to protect and do the right things for those around her so i thought that was really great about her as a protagonist but i do have one complaint Mm -hmm. and that was that she was presented like this op character she was you know this phenomenal warrior she was kind of high ranking within her culture and she had all these skills and powers and you know she was this outcast even within her own society because she was different i didn't quite understand why she was different but the difference was that she was a little bit i think more violent or something if she's supposed to be this uh tool of her god i you know i'm used to narratives making that character more reliably useful and yet she always seemed to go into situations she's like I'm pretty awesome and I have the sixth sense that keeps me safe and I have all these other things and then she trips or she falls or she does something dumb and gets bested by somebody who was just like a Joe Schmo and I there my issue is that her character seemed inconsistent with her strengths and abilities her direction was always the same, which was just survival, but it, it seemed a little chaotic for me as a reader, and that's my only complaint. <laughs> but there was a giant cat, and I really liked the giant cat, but my only complaint was that it just seemed inconsistent for a while. So. <laughs> Joran is the best cat. He's a blind, oh, like, so- ma- massive hunting cat, which, like, <laughs> I also have a giant orange cat that's the best boy, but... um. Does your giant orange cat use your eyes to see because he's blind? Because that's what Joran does. And I thought that was actually cool as fuck that Joran was like seeing through her eyes because the Kinsir have like some psychic connection with animals, I guess they can. And she was really mourning this lack of psychic connection with her hunting cat uh, not realizing that the cat had a connection with her and was just using her eyes to see because he's blind. And I thought that was cool as hell. I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, way to, way to adapt, cat. <laughs> way to adapt. Well, and that's the other thing. Like, okay, so the cancer isn't super well explained in the first book. So I guess I'm going to like break down not for you all. a little bit of what the explanation is in the second book. Please. So there's the Highborn and the Kindar, and they're both like humanoids and they're both relatively like they they can pass as human right but the highborn are these really aged like old type like they're elven kind of like they live for hundreds of years and then they just hit this like and they look about the same the whole time and then they just hit this wall and then they deteriorate like like just in a flash and they're they're in charge of the other two. Like, they they are given the responsibility of, like, this built-in, blood-bound type royalty, okay? Part of the okay. shtick is that they have inherent magic powers. <laughs> and it's like, they do a lot of inbreeding to sustain that and to make it stronger. But there was this huge cataclysmic event where one of their own 
goes over to the dark side a couple of generations ago. And since then, that power is seen as anthema. Like, it's seen as dangerous. They reject it. So Jamie, the protagonist, she has an uh, she has a power she's unable to hide, which is she's got these extendable claws. Her nails are extendable claws. She was born without fingernails, and then one day they're just there, and they're claws, and they're like, oh shit, that's a shinar, which is what they call the people who have a lot of magic built up in their blood. Um, which is it like every hat you find out later that every highborn has this, or they wouldn't be able to do the blood binding that they do on Kinser, like uh, on the Kinder, the kind of the all people of it. They're, they're, they're warriors, they're their artists, they're their merchant class kind of. Um, but they have to be bound to a highborn or they're like lost. Like it's part, like that's part of what their God did to them that fuck them all up is they're like, okay, the highborn are in charge and you have to be bound to one of them or you're going to die. Basically, like you're going to float around and then you're going to just lose the will to live. But they're amazing warriors because they have like great healing abilities and all of this stuff. But the the Kinser, the highborn Kinser, are like kind of wayfish, and then the Kinda are kind of like dwarven. You know, like they've got this this dichotomy there a little bit. Like, you know, one of them looks like slender and like powerful in that way, and then the other ones look like they're seven and a half foot tall. Some of them and just built like a brick shit house. You know what I mean? So. A lot of these highborn have these powers, but have chosen to hide them or don't realize what they are. But because she's got this very in-your-face, I got nails, bitch, type of situation, and those nails are part of this association with the with the destructive face of their god, which they're all, like, even more afraid of. They're like, fuck that guy, but also fuck that third of the guy the most, because it's, like, the most dangerous and least understood Part of the guy. So so that's why she was cast out. And she kind of wanders into the bad guy's camp. And they're like, "Mm, yeah, you're what I wanted. Because, spoiler alert, your mom, (laughs) who does this dancing, this magic dancing hypnosis thing, to steal souls for me to subsist on, is, like, no longer capable of giving me the soul. She just destroys them and throws them into the void. Because she's, like, she's, like, stuck in this trance, right? Okay. So I'm going to make this as simple as possible. When the fall happened, a lot of people were honor bound, which they kind of explain like their their honor is their their life. Basically, they were honor bound to the guy that went to the dark side. So so there is this honors paradox where do you follow your commitment or do you follow what is right? And how are you going to know what's right? But honor says you have to follow the guy into the dark. And she didn't make a choice. She was tricked into it. But she has to remain ignorant of that or she falls for real. So she's just kind of stuck in La La Land. She's just like this cryptid. You know, she's just like this power in the universe that is completely unself-aware. And so the guy that went to the dark side, the evil Voldemort character, he is like, all right, go have some children and then I'm going to take your daughter as my wife And then, like, she'll do what you do for me in a less destructive way. Like, you're no longer of use to me. (laughs) And that's the thing that I'm sad that you didn't really see the second half, because I think the second half really does 
kind of become less chaotic. It's no longer set in that chaotic town, so you do kind of, like, get a more open sort of streamlined narrative. And she's also taken 10 years to go, like, learn a lot about English and writing and stuff. She... That's a lot. I feel like I just got a history lesson. Yeah. (laughs) That is the history. And and that's kind of what they're kind of hinting at in the first book. And they kind of like reveal to you in the second book or the second half of the first book. She's combined both of them, I think. And it's a strong choice because the first one, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Also, like, I love it. But what is happening? And then the second book, they're like, okay, so this is what's happening. Like, basically, this, this group of people have fallen down the chain of creation for so long. And they keep like fucking up and not winning and then this guy's like you know what you can give me never-ending life i'm gonna go to you but like in exchange for that i either have to keep consuming souls or i have to turn into this non-creature like this gross non-human looking like i want to be young and beautiful forever so i have to have this wife thing the sister wife to to keep me alive feeding off of my own people so he's like the ultimate evil right and also like i said like inbreeding is a thing that they do to maintain the royal bloodlines and also to like basically breed for power. Jamie's like fuck that and she she bounces. <laughs> but then like when she bounces she forgets everything. <laughs> so she has no idea what like what like who she is, where she's been for 10 years. The last memory she has is when her dad cast her out for being a Shinar. And so she's like, "All right, I got to I guess I have to go back to my people where I'm a woman and therefore less than second class and the whole reason like they didn't used to be that way but because we find out jamie's mom you know that the dream weaver is what they call her was you know but for the uh what was it the greed of a man and the ignorance of a woman like so shall all the fall happen there's a lot of like christianity like overtones in this the three-faced god bit and the you know like the women is second class because the fall of eve or whatever you know like there's a lot of like, fuck that God kind of atheist sort of <laughs> shit in this book, which also isn't a surprise why I like it. Freaking, she <laughs> she basically made it to where the women were a second class and they're locked up and, they're, and they have contract marriages where they're like, because life is so long, you know, you, you're like, all right, you, I'm going to be married to you for 10 years to beget fa- like children and then you know, you can write children into the contract. It's very much a like their currency. <laughs> so Jamie's like, ah, oh, fuck. Like they're gonna find out I'm highborn, and highborn women have way less power or control over their bodies and all of this stuff. Like they're like at the mercy of the the head of their house. And so she's trying to hide the fact that she's a highborn woman, but also has all of these like real blatant OP powers. But she's so destructive and incompetent, like in terms of like she's just. She just has no knowledge. She's forgotten growing up. You know what I mean? She's been gone for 20 years and, you know, like, shit. Like, what the hell happened? I don't know. I don't know shit about shit. I just got, like, I know I'm powerful and can really destroy things. And oopsies, I keep doing that. She feels a little bit like a Harry Potter character to me. Or, like, you know, these male protagonists who are just sort of driven along by fate or by the, the you know, like, the narrative of author who are kind of not super great at navigating it, but for their friends being able to help them kind of deal. (sighs) And then like, you know, in the first book, I felt that way about her, but at the same time, she totally had the full head, no thoughts. Yeah. 
where she's just like, I'm doing stuff because it feels impulsively like I should, but there's almost no thinking to it. She's just doing stuff because it came up, you know, or just instinct drove her this one way. I think the most control she took over herself in the first half was when she went to her temple in the city and pretty much was morally freed to steal because theft is such a horrible thing in her culture and she was given essentially the blessing of god to go out and steal in a weird unclear sense and you know it was the god came through the priest and was pretty much like do what you got to do i think if i remember that correctly but yeah just don't do it against your own people part where she kind of really took yeah right it's like everybody else sucks you can steal from them (laughs) but not your kind and she's like great none of my kind are here so done um but the second part was when she had joran and the cat was getting too big to live in her like attic room and needed to learn all these skills and she's like all right i guess we're gonna go hunting and practice hunting and those were the only two places for most of the book that i remember her taking full control and then towards the end, whenever it starts getting that she like resurrects all the gods <laughs> and they're all overwhelmed. And that was really kind of a Ghibli Miyazaki scene whenever <laughs> at the end when she confronts her god and all of this energy and power starts flowing over to the other temples and their gods kind of manifest. And so she's just running around and there are all these loose godlings in the world and some are just sitting and sobbing and others are just like we're messing stuff up because we don't understand what we're doing and they're like just giant god toddlers fully formed and powerful and they're like we're not used to having this and i i just was like this feels really like spirited away yeah it does chaotic Mm -hmm. and i kind of i liked a lot of the scenes but it was just really hard to follow the city had so much going on with it like those cloud people who lived on the roofs yeah and if you got on the roofs they would just shove you off of them because you didn't belong there which (laughs) i thought that was really kind of messed up but because she almost killed the prince because she's a badass the prince was like hey i really like you here are the king's pants to prove that you're a good thief and it's just (laughs) There are a lot of little things in this book that I was like, this is cool. It's one of those like breadcrumbs things. Like every single thing she does drives her into more action. And then like it ends up building its own resolution. It is very much like she's just on this ride, which is why I said Alice in Wonderland, because it's like you, you see that there is a lot going on and you only kind of sort of understand part of it. And then you see like why things are happening and then the way that they're happening. But you're like, fuck, like I couldn't call, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen next. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's so just, yeah. it's just such a maze of uh, like, she's in this town that her people avoid because they're uncomfortable by the idea of other gods. And she's like obsessed with it. She's like, I need to know. Cause he said he's the only God. And if there are more gods, then he's a fucking liar. And I cannot abide a liar you know like (laughs) so she's like trying to figure out what powers these gods and then like kind of is like oh shit they're powered by like people's attention and then like oh maybe they're feeding off of these temples that this temple that is our god and then she does this like magic power dance which is like the you know it's like a integral part of the fall you know like it's this it's where they get their abilities 
for martial arts. Like their martial arts are dance and their dances are martial arts. You know, it's like one of those, like they're two parts of the same whole. And then, you you know, when you think about it like that, it's fucked up. They're like, oh yeah, the, the women dance and the men fight. And it's like, no, the bitches fight too. You just think it's dance, like whatever, it's fine. But also she keeps kicking your ass. So maybe you should look into that. <laughs> And, and that's the thing. She's so good. It's offensive to her people. When she finally shows up, they're like, we don't know what to do with this bitch. She's not quiet. She doesn't wear a mask. She doesn't, like, she, she she's not veiled. She's not, like, a part of the women's world. She gets kicked out of the women's world in the third and fourth books because they're like, we don't know what to do with this. We're not quite sure what it is, but she's just, like, she breaks their idea of the feminine which is also fun for me. I mean, I just love this character so much because she's just so, just, she should be overpowered, but she's not good enough to be overpowered. And then you see her sort of trying to learn how to control her power and her, you know, like, take ownership of herself, you know, through the whole series. And, you know, she's like, fuck, like, we're the last chance to save the universe because, like, we're the last of the, like, this is it, guys. Like, there's no next generation who we can pass this on to. Like, whoops. <laughs> you know? And I'm real bad at this. <laughs> so, like, what are we going to do? And she's trying to convince, like, the rest of the, the the people who have just so fallen off of the path at this point. Like, she's like, no, guys, we got to, like, actually rally here. And they're like, mm, but you're a woman and your brother's kind of crazy. And also, like, we don't like you because you're destructive she's like well that's kind of my job but um fair good notes everyone You're like uh, literally god sent me to destroy everything so like uh. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not the- wrong but like <laughs> maybe i'm on a mission from god and you should work with me on this one i'm just saying like i'm just throwing that out there as an idea <laughs> maybe i'm on the right path and it's and it's amazing too because she keep because she like kind of falls into this town that her her people avoid because of you know gods and stuff. And you find out that a lot of the people, her people that show up, end up being raised to deity status. Like, and you can see them being gods. Like, they're literally gods, but they're kind of like lowercase gods, you know. But they're like these powerful divine mm-hmm. creatures, and they're just real pissed off about that that temple to their god. That's just over there. You know, like, they're like, fuck that guy. And also now I'm a god, but fuck that guy. And um, I think I think <laughs> the underlying antagonism to, to their deity is one of my favorite things about this whole series is that they're just like, no, really, like, absolutely go fuck yourself, man. Like, you, you've done nothing good for us. <laughs> you've ruined our lives. Go fuck you, yourself. You have bound us to this war that we want nothing to do with. <laughs> And, and then you left us. <laughs> but, what? Um, <laughs> None of us wanted this. <laughs> but then they, the, this world that she's stumbled into is also tapped into something that's completely native to this to this particular world that they've stumbled on, and they actually have their own four faced pantheon where it's like the burnt one, which is like a fire angry spirit. There's Mother Raga, who's the Earth Mother. They have, like, a windy guy who just falls forever. He's just the wind, but he's also just a dude that falls forever. And then there's a lady that got eaten by a fish and, like, raised to data status. She's called the Eaten One, and she's, like, the water. So they got these elemental, actual native gods 
whose power is not connected to their to the the cancerous god in the same way that the lowercase g gods are in that city and because of how she kind of fell face first into that town and then on her journeys to get back to her people she sort of inadvertently like wraps herself up with these other of course it's inadvertently you know it's like her shtick she's just sort of bumbling around causing trouble walking face first into all four of these deities like yo what's up oh shit you're not like those other guys and then she's like "Mm," and i've managed to piss all of you off in a little bit of a different way like every single one she meets she's like "Mm, you don't like me but at least you like me a little different than mother raga does and like mother raga she's like she tolerates me, but the bird one, he really fucking hates me. And, you know, like, it's real fun. I mean, like, she's just really, like, just like, oh, fuck. I keep doing, I keep, like, doing what I'm supposed to do, but, like. It's like she's just tap dancing through these political situations. Like, <laughs> they're like, hey, you need to serve as a representative. And she's like, I actually have no idea what I'm arguing for. And so she just does, like, a different tap dance. <laughs> and it just, it's just rude. It sort of feels like she's running in front of that snowball, you know, and every time, like, as, like every time she passes a new yeah. town, like, more things get swept up in the snowball. <laughs> and she's just like, <laughs> all right, gotta keep trucking, because if I stop for literally a second, it's all gonna catch up to me, and it's real, like... It's when the Katamari attacks. <laughs> she's, she's not pushing the ball, the ball's hunting her. Yes. <laughs> uh. Did you remember, do you remember, uh... Bay number one, the OG Bay, the Bay that you're supposed to feel bad about liking. Okay, so I remember there being at least two people who were kind of like, you know, head bobbing, hanging at her. They're like, hey, yeah. what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> Yo, there baby, was the what's one up? who was like the, yeah, what's up? What's up? How you doing? How, <laughs> How you, you doing? doing? There was the one who was like adopted by that semi kinsir god, and so he was like kind of one of the people and then there was the other one who i thought might have been a half brother of hers Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you thought right who also didn't have a soul okay okay Mm -hmm. okay which one of those do you think is my original bay yeah which one do you think is my og bay i want it to be the one that was adopted (laughs) but i don't think that was the case (laughs) We know better. Yeah, yeah. So half brother Bane, <laughs> with no, with no. Who, by the way, you don't know is the half brother until like the end. Like, yeah, yeah. No, keep you in don't mind. Know. Up until that, like the end of the first book, everybody's like, "Oh my god, they're like meant to be because they're both powerful." And then you're like, "Oh fuck, they're like siblings, brother sort of. and sister." That's yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, so in my defense, yeah. that is a thing in this book. <laughs> like that that is a thing for her specific group of people. Even if she was with her people and not doing her own destructive thing out in the world, she would be married to a cousin or a half brother or because she's a twin, probably her twin brother because there that's like a very well established like thing. Like her mommy uh was married to her brother who Ew. who who is the bad Voldemort character. So really her uncle is who wants to marry her. And she like bounced like, no, fuck you and bounced. So just keep that in mind. But he's really irredeemable. And um, you really get the sense, like they kind of lay bait in these books, right? They Not these books, but in books in general. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, mm, you like the bad guy, don't you? Let's, let's like, let's like write in this bad character to like be this like heel but also to be like 
he's hot, you know? Like, a lot of these tween, like, YA books do this. This is not a YA book. I would not consider this book YA. I would consider this the adult version of that in the, um, okay, so we're going to do all of the things that YA does, but we're going to make you, like, we're going to force you to deal with the gravity of it. So our first introduction to Bane is a boy is skinned alive and thrown off of a basically, like, house into the river. And you find out that's his thing. You find out he skins boys and throws them into the river. And you find out later he does this because he gave his soul to the priest to hold so he would not be honor-bound in the same way that she is. And, like, so by taking his soul back, it would cleanse him, but it would kill him. So, like, that's kind of the sort of the Cat-22 paradox he's in. But he's also aligned with the destructive face of God. So, like, they are, like, magnets to each other. And every time they sort of, like, interact with each other, it's kind of sexy. But then one of them ends up bleeding, you know? Like, they're like, mm, yes. you bad. But also, like, <laughs> you just bit my lip and now my um, now I'm bleeding. Or I just cut your face and now you're bleeding. And it's like he becomes obsessed with her and is part of the reason why she doesn't yeah. completely fall on her face in this city like cuz he's cause he's like mm, no we're just going to we're just going to float around on the periphery and kind of like be the shadow of like hey girl what's up how you doing like i don't know how you doing i yeah i <laughs> when he was introduced i was like i don't i don't like this person this one this person's a predator yeah and then no, whenever is. they were like here's an illusion to romance i was like ah Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but that's adult yeah. me. Child me would have just been like, "Ooh, a bad boy." Yeah, but yeah. Now that I'm an adult, I would have been like, "I'm like, no, he's he skins children. That's, <laughs> like, that's no, wrong." The worst. <laughs> and and you know, like, yes. there's this interesting, like, sort of floating redemption that she kind of hangs out there, and he doesn't really come up ever again. Like, he's this is he's kind of okay. So he does come up later, and he is still this like very mystical pull to her you know oh i guess i should tell you if they don't have their souls they can't die so he like gets skinned alive as she's bouncing like fleeing the city at the end of the the end of the book and then whenever he does come up later as like a thing that she uses to protect one of the like the magic items that she has she's like oh fuck this is i can't just keep carrying this on my person it will get stolen or fall into the wrong hands. And we want to make sure that the Voldemort guy doesn't get this because they have three things. They have a book, a knife and a coat of snakes. (laughs) And completely weirdly, the coat of snakes is actually the thing that heals people. So there's a thing. And the book is the thing that creates, it's like full of these magic power runes that they use to hop dimensions. And then the, the knife is like, you get one scratch from this knife and it kills you. So it's like the three faces of their god in like physical form. So she ends up, he becomes useful later because she ends up giving him the book of creation and just locks him in a cave because he's skinless and burned and cannot die. So he's just there hanging out, being a thing that might be used as a plot device later. But you don't, there's no more like... The romance doesn't develop, is what I'm saying. So you're safe to be like, mm, okay, so yeah, that's kind of a hot like thing that if I do, I'm going to be real bad kind of thing. Like, it's kind of that choice, that choice of honor. You know, like, do I go with this or, you know, do I go with something else? And to be honest with you, I'm on book like nine and no romance really develops. It's just sort of this amorphous, 
dirty sort of thing. Like all of her romances are so taboo and so like, I don't know, it's got the shadowy type of thing that's like, mm, romance is a thing, maybe, but also like I'm too busy doing shit, doing hot girl shit right now, but also like, hey, what you doing? You know, <laughs> so, so it's it's never like a fade to black situation. You never actually get any payout to any of these like, sort of romantic interludes and it kind of feels a little bit like high school or college where you're like making heavy eye contact with somebody but then you never actually like consummate anything you know what I mean like that really like we think about each other a lot but then we never do anything about it oh my god (laughs) which is fun I I think that's just so funny I'm still just stuck on the fact that like the nature of that particular uh, flirtation and it's just I he's just so evil like he's just so evil in the coat in the coat of snakes like i'm i'm stuck on this lore in a way where it's like out of context i just don't i don't get it i don't <laughs> and there's enough of it that like through this conversation you've told me some things about the future i'm like oh i could read to that and then you add another thing and i'm like i don't think i could get through that and it's just <laughs> been this cycle of like i could maybe overcome it for that and then another thing and i'm like but not that and it's just <laughs> this weird roller coaster of hearing this sales pitch of like i don't oh, yeah. know oh yeah like i don't know if i could keep reading and it's not to take discredit your enjoyment of it but it's it's like this J.R.R. Tolkien, like, yeah, it's massive level of stuff. And yeah, yeah, but it's a completely different theme. Like if somebody was to be like elves and dwarves and orcs, I could be like, I understand elves and dwarves and orcs. And I can, I can accept talking tree people. But now it's like, okay, we've completely created this new terminology and this new lore and it's just different enough from my perspective that I can't quite engage with it. Now, had I started reading it younger, that might have been different. But right now, when I tried to read it, I was like, all right, I'm floundering <laughs> a little bit. Like, I could have used a, a map in the back, definitions of people and uh, there is a map. words and places. And well, there's a little literal map and there are appendices, um, mm-hmm. which I was like, okay, kind of. It's like, that's a lot of information if there's an appendice, but it, it wasn't oh. like a definition of terms. You know, there wasn't a glossary oh, yeah. that I immediately oh. found in my edition. And so that was what kind of threw me a little bit. Like I couldn't reference and be like, oh, this person did this. Like, I felt like I needed to, every time a name or place was mentioned, I should have written it down. Of Like, this well, is their first introduction. Here's a new point. Because there's just so much happening. Yeah, there is actually, in, like the, the, in the beginning of the book, there's a list of names, which I hate but also love in books, like big high fantasy books, whatever you get, like the first thing you see is a genealogy and you're like, fuck, it's going to be one of those. And then you're like, but I love it, but also I hate it. And then in between, like if you would have kept reading to Dark of the Moon, you would have you would have seen another one. Like they literally have it in the front of the second half. Of the, like, so right in the middle, they're like, all right, let's refresh your memory who all these people are. <laughs> and they keep going. And I well, then that's... I just fucked up. I don't know. <laughs> No, you were reading it in, you were reading it in a, uh, it's hard to read these kinds of books in like a Kindle format and like an on, like an e-reader format because you, it's not, it's not as natural for you to flip back and forth to those spots. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know technically you can, but I'm not good enough with the controls to do that shit. So like, it is harder to read these kinds of like really in-depth Same. 
novels unless you just binge it you know like unless you just don't stop like yeah. it's real hard to pick it up in the ebook format i think you kind of hit on why i love it so much i really do think that it's one of the most unique books i've ever read in my life the world is so just it's like they took all of the things that you're used to reading about in fantasy high fantasy books and then they did a funhouse version of it <laughs> like this real bizarre like her twin brother is sort of like it's sort of like crazy dark aragorn you know like and bane is like severus snape type character who's also like an actual eater of children you know what i mean like it, it's real like she's just kind of pc hodgel has just it seems like she's done a lot of drugs or something to get to this real <laughs> looking glass version of this world and i and i really I don't know. Like, I think I picked it up and I was like, this is so, like, I don't have a frame of reference for this. You know, like, this is freaking new. Like, at how often do you pick up a book and you're like, fuck, like, <laughs> wow, I'm learning. Like, this is like literally learning all of this from scratch. The third face of the Kinsler, by the way, is a giant panther, like, type cat thing that has like a hive mind that they all talk to each other, like, telepathically. Like, I, I gotta tell you, it's fucking, it's fucking cool. Like, being able to just be like, oh, dude, you know, like, man, I don't have a frame of reference for this at all. The first time we were going to record this, I was going to go through each of these characters and give you, like, a weird, like, two or three person reference for what those characters are, you know? And I just, I don't, I don't know if I can. Like, I, I, I really had, like, a whole list of it. And, like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, but that kind of, robs them of some of their uniqueness you know like I yeah there's just a lot in it okay you mentioned the gods and her stumbling through and pissing them all off individually uh-huh and i forgot which temple it was in particular but i remember it being a water-based temple and i really did enjoy her focus on tormenting those followers like, i thought it was a little callous because like I feel like you shouldn't go to somebody else's church and test their faith. But I did think like the priest was also so bumbling and foolish that it was kind of funny that they became this like antagonistic relation. They had this such an antagonistic relationship because she really tried to be anonymous to everybody else, except for this one priest. <laughs> like, Single. What are you doing? Yeah, and she's like, okay, I, I'm i doing my experiments on how these people are powered, and so I'm going to block their pipes that they use to bring down the water whenever they're in mid-prayer. And I was just, like, the fact that she went there so frequently to mess with them that the priest immediately would recognize her and be like, get her out! <laughs> it was just so kind of juvenile to me, and I thought that was so, just, it was kind of a weird interruption to the chaos of the book and i thought it was kind of funny um so that, that it was just this one specific temple like, well and 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 they kind of brought it on themselves too like the when she's first sort of like stumbling through the city well i guess it's the second time because she she comes in like sick the first introduction to the city is she's just like stuck in the sick maze like she's like fainty and 
got a fever and is like about to pass out and really needs to find a safe haven, but there's no safe haven because it's like the one day a year where everyone locks their doors and like nobody goes outside and they like don't let any like because the gods are wandering the streets loose and she's just stuck fucking like running from all of these gods and um they're the ones that died that became untempled or whatever so she's like later she's wandering around trying to find her temple so that she could ask hey can i can i steal things and still be honorable she asked this temple she's in the temple district and she asked this priest hey you know, like, can you point me toward the Kinzer Temple? And he, like, flips out of on her and is like, get the fuck out of here, you know? Like, fuck you and fuck your god. She's like, same, but also, can you just tell me where it is? And <laughs> so that's the one that she picks to do her experiments on. And, like, you see this, like, fortune teller, like, right before she interacts with this guy. And she's like, yeah, you're going to bring about your own downfall. And then she, like, looks at Jamie and is like, hey, he doesn't, he like, be gentle on him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then he's like, go fuck yourself. And then she brings about his downfall. You know, like, it's just one of those great, like, just moments. That's but then fair, she, yeah. She successfully kills this guy, this god. And you find out that the, that the lore of this god has been, like, severely corrupted. It's actually one of the older, it's from the old pantheon. Uh, pantheon um, and they, like... It had originally been a giant frog, and like some several generations ago, the high priest like burned all of the literature and like rewrote all of the like scripture and like the rituals and stuff, and added a whole bunch of bizarre shit and made this frog into a human. So it looks real goofy. It's a real idiotic looking creature, and it's like been dwindling ever since because like, yeah, okay, rain god, but also like he looks like a real foolish type character you know not very much dignity yeah, in this god left wow. and um so she like feels terrible because she realizes she's been a real shit heel to this more god that she successfully killed <laughs> and she's like all right um let's resurrect the god and so she like does a lot of research and works with the priest to like restore the scriptures to w- more of what they were originally and there happens to be this massive drought. So she's like, all right, everybody come pray to this rain god for, you know, like, so they, they like gain this following a little bit and they're all, they're praying to the rain god. And then it actually rains, like massive flooding rains. And then like the god is resurrected as this frog and is a very happy little frog. And he's bouncing around like, yay, I'm, I'm back. And it's real fucking adorable. But it's also like, solidifies her idea that okay so these are all just things that are powered by our temples that have been here forever so all of these little creatures have gotten power from our god so it doesn't negate the fact that our god is the one true whatever and then she stumbles on the big four and then she's like oh maybe i was wrong (laughs) like sure maybe those little gods are powered by our one god but these gods don't really have nothing to do with us and hate us all as a people for being um, pretty intrusive. So so she's back to not understanding and is back on her quest to figure out what the fuck is actually happening. And there's sort of illusions that like the only way they're going to be successful is if they kind of figure out how to get their three-faced god to team up with this four-faced sort of elemental spirit of this world to stop what's happening because the only places in this world that are really safe and protected from sort of the encroaching dark is the places where it's the most where the veil is the thickest where it's the most itself where the world is the most pure without overlap from other from other facilities and then you find out all of these really thick veiled places are 
sort of the power seats of each of these four elements. And you're like, oh, okay. So the only thing that really fucks up these people is not their one god, but the but the actual like power of this earth type deal. Which is just really, I don't know. Like the whole thing is just so fucking there's so much and she just trying to make so much matter in these books. And I think she does it pretty well, but like I could totally see how it's hard to onboard. <laughs> I knew it was going to be yeah. hard to onboard, Aaron. I was like, this one's not going to be easy. But I just have such a abiding love for this story and for this series. And I'm just like, oh. Well, I'm really glad we did this so you could talk about it. <laughs> well, it's but a bane. I am sitting here and you're telling me everything and I'm just like, what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> this, is a, this is a trip. I swear I didn't do any drugs before I started this. Uh, it's a Bane fantasy series. It's picked up by Bane. But, like, it's not really... It's one of those books that, like, I'm always afraid it's going to disappear. Like, like she's just going to be self-publishing here after a bit, you know? Like, it's so incredibly niche and is not very well circulated. So I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. Finish it. Don't disappear into the night. <laughs> Please finish the book series so that I can continue reading it and figure out what it's, like, ends up happening. So, yeah, this is one of those books I'm like, please, everyone read so that it doesn't disappear before I get my explanation of like no i've been on this crazy journey and i want to know what the fuck happens like don't leave me hanging <laughs> like i deserve the pay off uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, people I buy them this. so that i can read them like you know it's like it's like whenever you get those really awesome image series and you're like fuck it never ends it's like i had this happen with pretty deadly like i read pretty deadly and i was like this is amazing and then you get like maybe two volumes worth and it's done and they're never picking it up again and then they release it under a different thing that doesn't really explain the first thing. And it's just like, oh, I'm sad. And that's why reading is a heartbreaking hobby. <laughs> um. So true. <laughs> so what is your what is your rating? Because obviously my rating is read forever. And please, please, God, help me read forever. But also, like, I know it was hard for you. <laughs> and you ended up giving up a little bit. But like, you know, give, give me your honest rating. I never, well... That was a lie. I rarely <laughs> completely regret reading anything. And this is one of those things that I don't regret trying. I didn't like it <laughs> because it was a lot of onboarding. If it was a little bit less opaque, I think I would have enjoyed the the adventure. But I didn't even really like Lord of the Rings because it was just so much. You know? Mm -hmm. And it's not that I think it's a waste of time to write like that. It's just really hard to read it for me, at least. And that that was why I didn't I didn't like it. There were things that I did like about it. I did like some of the characters and the premises and some of the scenes which I've talked about. I don't think I'm going to keep reading it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, there well, are, I, appreciate I hope there's trying. somebody who's listening to this who's like, this sounds amazing. <laughs> but for me, I I had to put it down and walk away. I remember getting your like your messages as you're reading it, like getting more and more like, what the fuck? <laughs> and and honestly, it made my day. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you tried it. And really and I guess I could feel the effort you were putting forward. Like you really did try. And I I will forever be appreciative. And also I'm kind of happy because I was afraid as we were talking through the list of books that I had put up for this book club that you were going to be like in lockstep with me about all of them. So it's nice to know that 
we are not the same. We're close. Yeah. But not yeah, exact. Exactly. I do. I respect you so much and I love you so much that I'm going to try to read these books. But I also know that our relationship is safe enough that I can say I hated this, but I tried it because I love you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the true. That's true friendship. That is true <laughs> friendship. Just... I, I, I'm honored. Thank you. <sighs> and thank you, dear listener, for listening. If you have something to say about today's book, even into the far gone future, I will be delighted to hear it. We have so many places for you to tell us about it now. We are being released on YouTube. We're a little bit behind, but we're getting there. We have a link tree. If you find us on Twitter, Aaron's really good about sharing that on a regular basis. So you can find us in all of the different places. You can just Google us, Girls Talk Comics, and we show up. Like, we're right there. We're everywhere. We've always been here. Come join us. Follow us on Twitter for more comic news and reviews, as well as some random drunk tweets from your master of mediocrity. And uh, if you like what we do... Please like, subscribe, or leave a five-star review where you listen and consider maybe buying us a comic on our Kofi page. We also have a contact page on our Fireside website, which I just found out, which will send us messages via email if you have anything you want to send. Yeah. I also check the Facebook occasionally, so <laughs> find us where you want, let us know what you think, and we hope you enjoy. We release on Mondays, so um, if you like the way that we talk to each other and you want to hear us talk about comic books hit us on the flip side yo (laughs) all right (laughs) thanks again lovelies Bye. bye you're like power through these books it's crazy to me how you like just devour literature I also love that you like I don't have a lot of responsibilities 